1: At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.
2: This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. What a play! Can you believe this? I no I can. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Off to
1: the races, and he stays on his feet. He's just going to go the distance.
2: Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath
0: have got a lot of running back committees, competitions. Let's try to sort it out today. The Broncos, the Chiefs, the Dolphins, the Rams, and plenty more. Plus, polarizing players. We'll have debates on Trey Lance, Ezekiel Elliott, Travis Etienne. Jamie's taking them in the third round. What about Heath? All right, those are just some of the names we're going to get to. Welcome to Fantasy Football today on Wednesday, August 24th. One week away from our draft-a-thon, which will be from 6 p.m. Eastern until midnight Eastern, CBS Sports HQ for the first two hours, youtube.com slash fantasy football today for the last four hours. And we've already raised a lot of money for St. Jude. We want more. Good morning, Jamie and Heath. What's up, Heath Cummings?
2: Oh, all kinds of news. We got pup list guys. We've got guys who are not going on the pup list, which is maybe even bigger news. We've got trade possibilities. It's an exciting time of year. Getting cuts today. People are getting cut. And maybe the most exciting news, I did a mock draft last night and did not draft Mark Andrews, Aaron Jones, Brandon Cooks, DJ Moore, Chris Godwin, or David Montgomery. <laughs> Jamie, good morning to you. Heath, did, did your kids
1: in the last, I don't know, It's probably the last like five years, Adam, your kids are too young. Um, the video games that they like or like watch other people play those video games? Ugh.
2: What? Yes. Yes. And I the, like the the best thing that happened. I don't remember which one it was, but I criticized that. And they reminded me that when I watch football on Sundays, I'm just watching somebody else play a game.
1: <laughs> that's, a, that's a good counterpoint. You have maybe potential in there. Uh, so my, my, my middle son, my seven year old, who will be eight in a couple weeks is home from school. And I'm watching him watch a video about somebody else playing Minecraft. Mm hmm. Yeah. yeah, I, I don't Grafton get it. And Fortnite
2: were the two most popular. I, I, I don't think he's playing.
0: I, uh, I hope that I hope that that fad is done by the time my kids are old enough for that.
1: No. It only I get worse. I was, I was going like, more that way. Oh uh,
0: man. Uh by the way, uh, nobody's commented on my new background yet. I got rid of my Simpsons poster and I put up a draft board and I'm not sure if you can tell but Dave's Dave's team is team 1. He drafted 18 running backs. <laughs> JB's team two. I'm team three. Heath, you are team four. And you took DJ Moore in the first round. Uh, Mark
1: Andrews, Brandon Cooks, David Montgomery. Those were your first four picks. So it's, it. it's impressive that you took the time to do that. <laughs> it took like a long time. I have to say, I'm very proud of Dave last night in the draft that he, that he did. He won zero RB. Uh, I wrote about it. It should be on the site today. And in describing Dave's draft strategy, the only thing that I can say is he is a robust RB manager. It, he's actually ended up with a
0: pretty good team. He drafted 11th. He went zero RB, and he has like Justin Herbert. Uh, yeah, anyway, it's a good team. Check it he out.
1: Jamar Chase, Devontae Adams, Michael Tom- Cortland Sutton, Michael Thomas, Dalton Schultz, Justin Herbert with his first six picks, Right. and then his 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 top running backs, which actually ended up pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Clyde Edwards-Helaire and Devin Singletary.
0: Yeah, and then some depth to uh, Rashad Penny. I think is on his team, so it's much no, easier. Ken
1: Walker, oh, Ken Walker, Tyler Algier, Mike Davis, and. Tyler Algier, Mike Davis, and one other guy who plays in the National Football League.
0: Mike Davis is going to be start of the week in week one against the New York Jets. Anyway, uh, let's get to the biggest news items from yesterday. Jamie, give me the biggest news from yesterday. There was a lot. I mean, I think
1: you just touched on it. The fact that Gus Edwards is on the pup list. Um, You know, it's... uh it's, it's it's obviously discouraging for anybody that was hoping he was going to be a factor in his backfield if J.K. Dobbins was not. And so that's why you're making the uh, the assumption that Mike Davis is going to be in line for a good start, which he probably is. If, in fact, Dobbins does not play or is limited in week one, Davis has been their guy in the preseason so far. And obviously has a track record of stepping in for other running backs and being successful. He's probably better suited at that than being a starter, uh, as we saw two seasons ago when he was the backup in Carolina, as opposed to last year when he was a starter in Atlanta. And so for a couple of weeks, Mike Davis could potentially be pretty relevant in those first four games that Gus Everett's going to miss. And if Dobbins is at less than 100%.
0: Yeah, and week one is the Jets. and They allowed the most fantasy points to running backs last year. Hopefully they'll be better, but should still be a good matchup. Heath, uh, what is the biggest news item from yesterday in
2: your mind? It's the Bill Belichick drumbeat continuing, saying Damian Harris and Rondre Stevenson will be playing more on third downs. Play all three downs. um, Like, that's... We just, and I don't know, maybe this will all turn out to be a farce and Ty Montgomery will actually be James White, but it sure sounds like that there is a bigger opportunity for those guys to be low end number twos or high end flexes, both of them while sharing. And if one of them gets hurt, yeesh, there could actually be significant upside. I think
1: that's the, the key to all this, though. If one of them gets hurt, obviously one of the top two being Harris or Stevenson, because I don't think Ty Montgomery is going to be very successful running on first and second down no but i also think just the the bigger picture for all this is and and you know i've been a a stevenson guy um is this pats team could just be completely terrible like (laughs) i I know we've kind of hinted at that like there's nobody that you really want to draft but clearly you can't avoid some of these guys but they're struggling in these joint practices with the raiders once again to run the ball like this could just be awful absolutely absolutely awful i'm curious uh for those of you that like to watch our show on CBS Sports HQ, we have Will Brinson coming on with us today. Um, And I asked Will because Will is a, a, a he's a, hes an experienced fantasy player and he hasn't really done a lot of drafts with us. Usually he does. So we're doing kind of a little, Will Brinson is the host of the Pick 6 podcast. And I said, uh, give me 10 observations or five to 10 observations that you're keeping an eye on. And one of them was, Pats are terrible. <laughs> like it's just, it's, it's, setting up to be a very, very strange year in New England, it seems like.
0: Yeah, and and ESPN, so basically, the crux of today's show is going to be polarizing players, as I mentioned, but also ESPN had an article about 11 backfield battles, and their, their beat writers for each team weighed in on them, and that's going to be a big segment. Also, The Athletic had a bunch of news, uh, I wouldn't necessarily call it news, uh, beat reporter takeaways. That is fantasy relevant. Yeah, speculation. One of the things from ESPN's article from Mike Reese, oh, did I say that right? Yep. Okay. Every time, I always forget. Uh, he said that, you know, just exactly what he'd said, Harris and Stevenson are more likely to stay on the field for third downs this season. And then he said Ty Montgomery could be the two-minute back. And for those of you who are not huge football fans or whatever, two-minute drill is basically the end of the first half or the end of the second half where you're passing, you know, you don't have time to run the ball, and you just... Keep a running back on the field. It's passing downs, basically. And, and that would be Ty Montgomery's role. Um, so we'll see how that one plays out. And are you guys taking Harris or Stevenson? And, and, uh, I, by the way, this, that's not that's just speculation. That doesn't mean it's definitely Ty Montgomery's role. Um, but are you taking Harris or Stevenson first at this point?
1: Still Harris. But, I mean, it's always been close for me. And, you know, th- this is the most encouraging thing, to be honest with you, is for Harris. If they're going to use him in any passing situations, he's a winner because that's usually been when he's off the field. Now, you, you've heard a lot of Stevenson doing a better job of it, and they're going to share touches, but the thought all along was Harris would not play in passing situations. So if he's on the field in passing situations, it's a big win for him.
2: Yeah, Harris round eight, Stevenson round nine for me. Okay. All right. And
0: more big news I actually didn't have in the notes, but someone just pointed it out in the chat, is that Michael Gallup is not on the reserve pup list. So... Heath, what does that mean to you? It
2: means that the Cowboys are hopeful that he can play in the first month of the season. (laughs) And um, that might put a little bit of a damper on Jalen Tolbert, but I still don't think we'll see him week one. and I don't think we'll probably see him 100% in the first couple weeks. Gallup, that is. Yeah.
0: And if you're on the pup list right now, that means you're out at least the first four weeks of the season. At least.
2: if you were placed on this, like Sterling Shepard yes. is still on the pup list, but was not placed on the in-season pup list, so it's confusing. But
0: yeah, if you right, if so, if you started camp on the pup list, you can still come off the pup list. But yesterday, players who were not on that list were put on the in-season pup list, and that right, that's that's the way to describe it, and they're out right, the so first four weeks.
1: The, the the big name so far that that's applied to and not applied to. So for example. Uh, Shaquille Leonard, right? Darius Leonard, not on the reserve pup list. So they're expecting him to play at some point. Same thing with Michael Gallup. Chase Young, for example, placed on the reserve pup list. So he's going to miss the first four games for the Commanders. Gus Edwards, as we just mentioned, same thing.
0: All right, let's talk about, because I'm going to jump around from segment to segment a little bit today. Give me a polarizing player that you want to highlight, Heath.
2: Uh, Yeah, I will go with uh, George Kittle. I The way I chose polarizing players was looking at their – I think we did a I like big gaps section earlier (laughs) this offseason. But guys who have the biggest gap in where they've been drafted on NFC in the last week. And George Kittle has been drafted as early as 34th overall, as late as 85th overall. Um, And I can absolutely understand both sides of that argument because George Kittle is an elite talent, arguably – One, one of the, I mean, he's one of the top two tight ends in football and um, maybe he just overcomes this situation or maybe Debo or Iuke's the one that gets hurt by Trey Lance not throwing as much, or maybe Trey Lance just doesn't not throw as, maybe he throws more than we think he will. But at the same time, like Iuke's had a phenomenal camp. Debo seems like the clear number one. And we think that Trey Lance might only throw 500 passes. So it's terrifying. So where do you stand on George Kittle? Uh, right in the middle. Too big of a coward to take a stand either direction. I think I've actually got him in round six now, so I'm not ever drafting him. I don't see very much difference between, between- Kittle, Goddard, and Schultz. Um, it may be back-to-back-to-back to back to back for me, actually, and I kind of want to rank Goddard ahead of Kittle. Mm,
0: I know Dave ranked Schultz ahead of Kittle. What a shame. I mean, the guy has been top three
1: per game four straight years. <laughs> you say, what back. a shame. <laughs> it's like, it's like it, we're, we, you already know he's going to be bad.
0: No, what a shame that, that people are down on him, I guess. It's not a shame. It's not oh, okay. the right word.
1: But, yeah, you know. <laughs> like you, you've seen the future. What a shame.
0: No, no, it's just – Because it's free so, fantasy analysts like him. No, because the industry –
1: And you know, he's he's so good. I think he's the best tight end in football. But it, that, it, I think he said it very, very astutely that, you know, we don't know. And, you know, I'm not betting against George Kittle. I'm not betting against Kyle Shanahan. Uh, there's going to be some games where he disappears, you know, probably more than he has in the past. And you obviously have to factor in the risk. Um, and it would not be a surprise if Schultz and, and Goddard are better than him. So if you want to, you know, draft that way, I, I have no problem with that. But there's going to be a lot of games because they're going to make a lot of easy throws for him, for Trey Lance, where George Kittle is going to do what he consistently does, which is yards after catch. And if this becomes his go-to guy, Trey Lance's go-to guy in the red zone, and we get that eight-plus touchdown season for him, which we've never had, he could still be a top three tight end. It's not without... I just don't see coach.
0: how the... The touchdowns would really shock me because I feel like they're going to have fewer passing touchdowns than... They, they actually they might. It, it, with it, Lance. I'm,
1: I'm not disagreeing. It can go either way. Right. You know, he can still be five. Uh, I hope he's not less. Um, but I also wouldn't be shocked if, you know knowing how Kyle Shanahan operates and the way that this guy plays, you know, the thing that's a detriment to him, you know, he said it, you know, he's, he's a top two tight end. He is the best tight end in football. When you talk about what a tight end traditionally does, he's the best blocking tight end, or at least in the conversation. And he's among the best receiving tight ends. He's not the best receiving tight end. That's obviously been Kelsey, but pro football focus consistently writes him as the best tight end because of what he does as a blocker, such a huge asset to the, to the 49ers. But we'll see. I mean, I, I think he's, He's 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 certainly closer to the Schultz Goddard group than he is closer to the uh Waller and above group.
2: And and over the last week he's actually been drafted higher than Waller. He's been been drafted before Waller on NFC drafts. Yeah, fantasy and, and football. Part of that to be too. Waller's missed so much practice time.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. On on FF on fantasy football calculator, uh Kittle is at four point seven and Waller is at five point
1: two. Okay. Uh Jamie, give me a polarizing player that you want to talk about. Well, you, you mentioned one already. Uh, I, I stopped drafting Travis Etienne in the third round, mostly because I pushed uh, a plethora of receivers up. So he's still he's still a fourth-round pick for me. Um, but I, I, that doesn't take away from the fact that I like him as a breakout candidate. And the ESPN story that you're referring to uh, also mentioned him. Uh, there's a more in-depth story by Mike Doraka who covers the Jaguars for ESPN, does a great job, um, about how James Robinson is probably going to be easing into action in the beginning of the season, and then they'll kind of just see what happens from there. But... Uh, also alluding to the fact that ETN's role in the passing game is going to be solidified. So I think it's just a matter of, and this is where I think Keith and I differ, uh how many receptions you expect Travis Etienne to get. If you expect him to be north of 50, um, you should be excited about him. If you expect him to be sub-50, sub-40, then you should probably be a little bit concerned. Um The last preseason game wasn't encouraging from a passing situation because they did not throw him the ball. He still ran several routes, just that Trevor Lawrence didn't look for him. This was a game against the Steelers. But I'm very encouraged by, I think, and, and this is something I think that we forget a little bit. Um, that first game, he kind of got critiqued for not running some cases the right ways, not finding the hole following the you know the, the way that he was supposed to run. He missed a year of football. Um, you know, and so I'm, I'm sure there's some instincts that are, are there, but also some things that are missing. I thought he ran better in the second game against the Steelers. he had three carries of I think of his 10 uh, that were over five yards. Um, so, you know, did a good job of moving the pile on on, on a couple of those and, and finding the seam and, and, and getting through there. So I think if he's able to run successfully early in the season, they'll continue to at least split those jo- those carries with, with James Robinson. But he's going to be a, a huge factor in the pass game, at least the way I view it. So I'm still excited about ETN.
2: Yeah, I think like, and I don't know if you want to start the uh... – the touch comparison or anything like that adam but that, that that's what i struggle with and that that article that we've referenced many times um suggested that eventually james robinson by midseason could get back to his normal workload and i just like that doesn't make any sense to me in what regard if if james robinson said his normal workload that's 18 touches a game yeah i don't see I, that there's there's no there's no i i don't think Unless Jacksonville is just a much, much better offense than I expect they're going to be or they're like a, an Anthony Lynn running back focus type situation, that doesn't leave any room for ETN to be as good as we think he could be. Um, I've got it projected right now, 180 carries for ETN, 160 for tra- for Robinson basically, and 46 catches for ETN and 23 for Robinson.
0: Yeah, I I think if you believe in ETN, he's got an audition. And if he comes out and runs really well at the beginning of the year, basically, I'll just say, doesn't it seem like his performance at the beginning of the year is going to really determine how this plays out?
1: What'd I don't think? think that they want... I mean, look, the, the article also references Doug Peterson's track record with running backs, and he doesn't usually give guys north of 200 carries. So one guy north of 200 carries. Um so yeah, I think his carries are, are actually perfect. You know, for what you should expect for these two guys, I just think there's going to be more catches for ETN. And, and you're right, Adam. Yes, it'll be an audition to see how he does. Um, But I don't think they also want to overwork ETN. You know, I think they realize the asset that they have in him, and you know, want to make sure he's probably ready for when they can compete. Which I would expect if they're building the right way, a year from now. You know, they'll they'll be a team that's in the playoff picture if things go well this year. I don't think they'll make the playoffs, but I think they'll be one of those teams that's. You know, around 500 come the last month of the season if things go well, and then maybe see how they finish. But um, I don't think they're going to overwork ETN. I just think that his main benefit to fantasy managers, and this is where like I'm 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 almost 10 spots apart PPR versus non PPR. Um, his main benefit to you is is in any league that rewards catches.
0: All right, so one more guy I want to talk about before we get into some other news items and all the other stuff we have to talk about today is Ezekiel Elliott. I think he's polarizing because I see it in our chats on YouTube. You know, people think he is washed. I'm gonna say washed up because washed thats the correct way to say it, not wash. Some people say he's washed up; he's done. Some people think he's, you know, gonna have the role and and going to be good. And played hurt last year. And uh, I think he's a really tough player. I'm polarized in my own mind on Ezekiel Elliott. So, uh, who do you guys like better, Travis Etienne or Ezekiel Elliott? I also want to get a little YouTube poll going here on that. Travis Etienne or Ezekiel Elliott? I'll put it in full PPR. Heath, who you
2: taking? I will take Zeke. I, I watched the stream um last night during the draft and I I almost um like I couldn't chat for some reason. I I messed something up. But I was, was I wanted to yell at Ben Gretch when he was talking about how little upside Ezekiel Elliott had. <laughs> I just don't underst- like I I really believe if Ezekiel Elliott's back to what he was at the beginning of last year, they're going to give him 20 touches a game and a chance to be a top 5 running back. Uh, Jamie, who are you taking, Etn or uh, or Zeke?
1: Etn. Um, I I don't think that Zeke is going to be that guy for a full season because I don't think he could stay healthy like that again. Um, I'm just not confident that he's that guy. I don't think this offensive line is the same. I don't think that uh, he has the same type of upside that he used to have. So I'm I'm concerned. That that being said. At cost, I think Ezekiel Elliott has become a very good buy. Round four to me is fantastic for a player of what his upside hopefully could be. But his ADP still, at least on our site, as of last Sunday, was 30th. In non-PPR, maybe you could buy that. In half or full, no way.
0: Zeke is 27th. He's RB15 on Fantasy Football Calculator. And again, like I said, I'm going to start using CBS, I think, beginning next week after a big weekend of drafting. But you go to different websites, you'll see different ADP. Fantasy Football Calculator says uh, a bunch of mock drafts since since August 20th that they're looking at here. And Zeke is an early third round pick ahead of James Conner. Cam Akers is in the third round. So that's interesting. Ahead of David Montgomery, Travis Etienne, J.K. Dobbins. All right, so ETN and Zeke, you guys are split on that. Who's your favorite between ETN, Zeke, and let's throw in David Montgomery?
1: Uh, I go ETN, Montgomery, Zeke.
2: Montgomery, Zeke, ETN.
0: How about Brees Hall? Where does he factor in?
1: He is ahead of Zeke behind the other two.
2: He is second behind Montgomery. Okay. All right. So that's very different. These guys in, in a in a wildly, uh, but they're all like within ten spots, maybe in in my overall ranking. So it's not like I actually have a strong preference. It's just the order I've got them in.
1: Yeah, I, I would agree. Like Etienne's a high fourth round pick for me. Montgomery's not far behind. Uh, Hall is not far behind. Zeke's a little bit further back, but all round four guys.
0: So if you are yet to make your league, yet to start it up, please consider CBSSports.com and our Fantasy Commissioner product here. You've got custom rules, salary cap leagues or snake drafts, keepers, dynasty, great dynasty platform now, uh, multiple matchups per period, custom flex, IR options, Pup List is now eligible for IR, so you don't have to worry about that. The league history is great. If you just want to, you know, keep it going with your friends, the league history on CBSSports.com is great. We have nearly a five-star rating on the App Store. The Fantasy app's awesome. And the advice. I mean, you get the advice right there, right in front of you when you go to your league homepage from Dave, from Heath, from Jamie. Um, so, you know, check it all out. Chris Towers as well, obviously. And, and uh, yeah, this is the time to be getting on to CBSSports.com. I, I'm obviously biased, but I think it's the best one out there. So uh, go to CBSSports.com slash football get a special offer when you start your league today cbsports.com/fantasyfootball here are some news and notes some of the, some of it we already mentioned washington defensive end chase young is out at least 4 games detroit wide receiver jamison williams is out at least 4 games he's on the he's not on the pup list he's on the reserve nfi non-football injury list because he hurt his he he has a football injury but it was in college so technically it's a non-football injury but uh yeah jamison williams is out at least 4 weeks so, what does that mean for Amonra St. Brown and TJ Hawkinson, Jamie? It's
1: great. It's great for DJ Chark, too. You know, I mean, I think you look at all these guys' benefit for as long as Jamison will not be there. Um, I don't think you should completely overreact and maybe start overdrafting more so Amonra St. Brown than DJ Chark. Um, like when Ben took him in the draft last night, I believe it was the four or five turn.
2: Yep. First pick and five.
1: And he took him ahead. I think of guys like Rashad Bateman and Marquise Brown, maybe. Um, don't remember exactly. Yeah. I'm sorry.
0: He took him pretty early, and we haven't seen he him. He that took really.
1: him a little earlier. And and to to his defense, he uh, with which is a mistake we've we've made from time to time. I'm not going to call it names, Heath, uh, but <laughs> I'm not knowing the scoring. <laughs> he thought it was full PPR as opposed to half PPR. Um, so that changes some things. But know your scoring. When you're drafting, Uh, so I think he said he would not have maybe taken Amara St. Brown right there.
0: Okay, and uh, let's see what else. Damian Pierce could be the lead running back in week one, according to the Houston Chronicle. I don't think that's a surprise. Elijah Mitchell is on schedule to return for week one. That's one of the backfields we'll be talking about. Elijah Mitchell is the clear number one guy for San Francisco. Josh Palmer in line for an expanded role with more targets, according to NFL insider Jordan Schultz. So that's Chargers third-year receiver Josh Palmer in line for for more targets. Heath, I, your your
2: reaction to that? Uh, well, and I said, like, I've really had a hard time processing how that happens. But then I looked at it, and he had 49 targets last year. <laughs> um, J- Jalen Guyton had 48 targets last year. Like, we can just give him Jalen Guyton's targets, and I'd be okay with that. I don't think – I don't think he's actually going to impact Keenan Allen or Mike Williams or Austin Eckler, and for that reason, I don't think he's probably going to matter without an injury, but he could be a great handcuff wide receiver.
0: Right, and I just want to look at one thing, is dot 10.1 which meh, I don't really know. I think Jacob Gibbs, who really likes Mike Williams, speculated that if Palmer has an increased role, it would affect Keenan Allen more than Mike Williams, but I, I can't really say that for From sure. From what
2: I know, that makes more sense to me, but I don't know. Right. I don't think he's going to play Williams' role.
0: Cincinnati safety, Jesse it's, Bates. It's
2: also, I think, an impact of just their
1: tight end situation too. Hmm.
0: Yeah. Jesse Bates back with the team, star safety for the Bengals. He's going to play on the franchise tag. Pittsburgh and Seattle are not naming their starting quarterback yet. For Pittsburgh, that's going to happen after the next preseason game. Pete Carroll did not give a timetable. Michael Thomas's hamstring injury does not sound serious, according to the Athletics Larry Holder, but it will have to be monitored. Michael Thomas, uh, Gus Edwards on pup. Ken Walker might not be ready for Week One, which doesn't—I mean, it doesn't seem like he's going to be as of right now. But we, I don't know. I guess I'm s- speculating a little bit too much. But it's very possible Ken Walker's not ready for Week One. Week One is Denver which did not have a very good run defense last year, but they signed DJ Jones from San Francisco, who's a very good run defender. Week two is San Francisco, who lost DJ Jones, but still should have a good run defense. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster should be ready for week one. Drake London looks like he could be back for week one. This one's interesting, Heath. We talk about this a lot. Sterling Shepard and the role he's played in the Giants offense is clearly the favorite target of Daniel Jones and actually a borderline... Must start as like like a number three or four receiver, I guess, if you're in a three-receiver league, in full PPR because he, he catches like six balls a game with Daniel Jones. It, it, he, uh, consistently, uh, you seem to be raising your eyebrows that borderline Porter- must start. But Sterling Shepard coming off the pup list before week one. What do you think about that?
2: Man, I hate the Gi- Giants wide receivers. <laughs> like, just the whole situation. If Sterling Shepard is actually playing week one, that... Uh, I don't know how you would start anybody.
0: Well, he's coming off an Achilles injury. Do you think, what kind of role do you think he would have? Do you think he'd really impact Kadarius
2: I Tony? Can, I would assume he'll be a part-time player early in the year, but if he's 100% at some point, I think he's probably their slot receiver. Okay, and that it's would also, I mean, To
1: put it in context, he's been playing with not exactly great options around him. And if Tony and Robinson... Are living up to their pedigrees. Daniel Jones is going to lean on those guys too, I would think.
0: A couple more news items, real quick. Patriots corner, or no, he's not on the Patriots anymore. Chargers cornerback JC Jackson is out two to four weeks after ankle surgery. Huge offseason acquisition there. Hopefully back for week one, but not a certainty. And Jacksonville right now does not have a kicker. Nobody for.
1: No, they did sign somebody yesterday, I believe. Oh, they
0: did. Yeah. Oh, well, beware of Urban Meyer. That's all I have to say. It's coming for you.
2: Well, I want to say, um, because Adam, if you're a commissioner in a league, and I assume in all of your leagues you require people to draft kickers if you have to start a kicker. Of course. The first week of waivers run, somebody drops their kicker and picks up a backup running back to hold until the day before week one and then picks up a kicker. Is that okay? Oh, man. Having a – I hate that. Um, But Jacksonville just did it. <laughs>
0: I don't want to talk about that right now. It's just it's going to really take me down a down a road that I'm just not ready to cross at this point. I do have to take a break here when we come back. <laughs> polarizing but no because it, it, I mean I I think it's cheating. I think it's cheating Heath, okay? I think like if you have an illegal roster for most of the week and then you finally make your roster legal, I think that's cheating, but it's hard to police and the websites allow it, I think, so uh Gray area for sure. By the way, let's see. Heath, when, when did you take your kicker? You took uh, Dustin Hopkins in the last round. And Jamie, you took Justin Tucker in the, our little draft board behind me. I'll right, we'll take a break. Love Dustin Tucker. When we come back, polarizing players, backfield battles, a whole bunch of things to talk about, very fantasy-relevant stuff. And we'll be right back on Fantasy Football today. This is part one of polarizing players. We already talked about Etn, Zeke, and George Kittle. Let's talk about George Kittle's teammate, Trey Lance. Heath said that I was crazy for saying that Trey Lance had more upside than Dak Prescott, but then everyone on Twitter agreed, and now Heath thinks everyone else is crazy too. Heath, uh, Trey Lance is is polarizing. I I think, although I think people
2: are, are pretty high on him. Do you think he's polarizing? Trey Lance is. Outcomes are polarizing. It's not that we, we all. I think we all agree about Trey Lance. He has top five upside, and he has a lot of risk because he's thrown like 150 passes in the last three years. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. I, I, I. What I think what's polarizing is maybe when to take him. You know, do you take him over guys that you might actually have ranked higher just just to secure the the upside? Or well, how much upside do you think he has? Is that the polarizing part of it? What, how much upside do you think he has, Heath? Top five. Jamie, how much upside does Trey Lance have? Top five. Not. Do you think he has QB one potential?
1: Yes, I mean, but I think it would probably take an injury or two for that to happen. But yes, he clearly has. He has the ingredients that we love. <laughs> you know, I mean, he has an amazing receiving core. He has an amazing play caller, and he's going to run. And so if he's successful as a passer, and I thought when he said he threw 150, I thought he was going to say 150 interceptions in training camp because that seems like all you hear is his inaccuracies and how many times he's turned the ball over. But I think you just have to understand what you're getting. You're getting a flawed product. And maybe the beginning of the season, despite some easy matchups, he may have some mistakes. But you go back to last year when he apparently was playing through a a finger injury, broken finger, I forget what it was. Um, And who knows how much an impact is throwing. In the three main appearances that he had, 31 or more rushing yards. You know, so you kind of see what you're going to get from that. Um, if Ayuk is really doing what Ayuk has been doing in, in camp, by all the reports, and you know what Debo's done, and you know what Kittle's done, with what those guys are capable of producing for him, and then Shanahan's creation. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just it could be a lot of fun. It could be, you know, we've seen these sophomore quarterbacks in these same situations, not playing as a rookie, Mahomes. Lamar Jackson playing limited snaps is, you know, half or five games, whatever it was, his rookie season, Um, and they've just blown up. He's not going to do that, but my God, if he does, (laughs) I mean, it's uh, it's the potential is off the charts.
2: And and really, my bigger problem with the whole Trey Lance Dak Prescott was just your insistence that Dak is boring and doesn't have any upside.
0: He. Well, no, he does have upside, but he's also boring. Compared to all the other quarterbacks, there's so much excitement. He's safe. He's safe, but but what if he isn't safe? I mean, what if he just has, like, kind of a bad receiving core and an aging offensive line? I, I don't think that. I'm just, just playing devil's advocate here. What if there's more downside to Dak Prescott that we don't realize or that we, that we don't talk about anyway?
2: Well, we're talking about upside right now. Um, Like, I upside-wise, what if he passes like he did last year and runs like he did every year before that?
0: Yeah, it's just they didn't really replace Amari Cooper. It's kind of a it's kind of a big deal.
1: Well, it it's it's over? a big deal if if Gallup is not close to what they're hoping he would be and I would say that's probably, you know, pre Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, which is hard to ask for, but you know, you still have what could be one of the top 5 receivers in the league and a top 5 tight end in the league and then just sort of figure out the rest. And if Tolbert and Gallup and whatever they get from James Washington at some point this season.
0: Yeah. So here's, I just want to sum it up on Trey Lance. Uh, he played two and a half games as a quarterback. I'm just going to tell you what his 17-game pace is, even though it's crazy. It's two and a half games. He was on pace for 1,100 rushing yards. Also 4,000 passing yards, 27 passing touchdowns. 1,100 rushing yards. I, I think he does have that capability, but he, let's just say he rushes for 800 yards. Agree or disagree, and and I'm pretty sure he's going to rush for 800 yards. Trey Lance, if he rushes for 800 yards, there is basically no
2: way he's not a top 12 quarterback. Agree. I think that's true. I'm I I can't think of a quarterback who ran for 800 yards and didn't finish as a top 12 quarterback. Right. There's so few.
0: I mean, I think like Cam Newton maybe had a bad, like a terrible year with eight. I, I don't, but I don't know, but probably not. That's just I think the thing, such a high floor.
1: The thing about Trey Lance, you know, you asked uh, Tara Roberts, who for those that don't watch our YouTube stream, she's one of our uh, contributors on Tuesday nights. Um, she drafted Trey Lance. I forget what round it was. And you asked her, and you said, this is the question I ask everybody who drafts Trey Lance, are you going to draft a backup? And I think that's the easy thing to sort of look at with your league. Like I drafted Trey Lance in an analyst league that has four points for passing touchdowns. I did draft Kirk Cousins on the waiver wire still we don't. we haven't run waivers yet are Derek Carr and Justin Fields and if I had known that those two guys would be on waivers I would not have drafted another quarterback but I felt okay this was a little bit earlier in the process um and so Lance this I was the last manager to take a quarterback so um I felt lucky to get it was around 12 and so but again, I think if you know your league and you know, you hear me say this a lot. If you know everybody's going to take, or, or a handful of people are going to take two quarterbacks, take a second quarterback with Trey Lance, just cover yourself. Um, I, I'm sorry. No, but if 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 you don't and you know that that's not something that your league makes do, then just play it out the first couple of weeks. He should be great. Chicago and Seattle, those first two games,
0: yeah,
1: should have an opportunity to be a monster. All right, let's I, go to our. I did,
0: oh, did want to say that
2: Lamar Jackson ran for seven hundred and sixty-seven yards last year and was QB sixteen.
0: Not per game. Not eight hundred for the season. No, but he wasn't QB sixteen per game. Well, no. Oh, but you're saying you could run for eight hundred right. yards and and not. Well, be no, Heath. I didn't 12. say seven hundred. And- <laughs> well, thirty three yards <laughs> would not have been in the top twelve. <laughs> yeah. All right. That's a that's a good point. Okay. So, oh, uh, Allen Robinson. Let's go to Allen Robinson here. Do you guys think he is polarized? I know among CBSers, among you guys, he's not polarizing. Uh, but some people say, hey, he's 20. By the way, it's Allen Robinson's birthday. So happy birthday, Allen Robinson, August 24th. 29 years old today. 410 yards in 12 games last year. A career low yards per catch. Uh, let's see. A career low yards per target? No, not quite. Um, some people think he's washed up and done. You guys don't. Do you think Allen Robinson is polarizing?
1: Well, I mean, you you mentioned it's mostly, I think, where analysts, I don't think it's just us, I think it's the industry. Uh, Analysts love Allen Robinson for his potential bounce back and the offense that he's going through. The Rams car wash should be great for him. Stafford, if healthy, should be great for him. Best quarterback he's ever played with. Sean McVay should be great for him just in the way that he'll find uh, opportunities to get him open and get him the ball. Um, I struggle, you know, you look at, for those you watched on YouTube, this, uh, this group of receivers for me, and this is our consensus rankings, but for me, it's the group of Cortland Sutton, Mike Williams, Brandon Cooks, and Allen Robinson, those four guys. I think they all could be double digit touchdown guys. I think they all could be, uh, huge reception and, and yardage, uh, players as well. Um, Robinson seems to be the one that goes last. And so if you like that group. Or no, I said Cook probably goes last, but Robinson is not far behind him or not far in front of him. Um, the upside is amazing to me. So I I, I love Allen Robinson in uh, late round three, early round four in, in PPR.
2: I think I'm the low guy. Um, I've got him at wide receiver 23. So if someone's polarizing on Allen Robinson, it's me. And The thing I've just hated is it's like I could not find if he's not washed and he didn't quit last year on the Bears, Then then what's the case? That, like just, why was playing Darnell Mooney so much better?
0: Yeah, I don't know that he just that he just wasn't a fit
2: in the offense that Matt Nagy. But it was the same. It was the same offense that that he had. Like Nagy was criticized for not really changing the offense for Justin Fields. Yeah, I don't know. On. No, I, no. I just I don't like to say that guys quit on their team, but it, it seems like that's like the best. That's the the good case for Allen Robinson <laughs> is that he did. Yeah, I think
1: though the the if the narrative is that he quit, it's just that he didn't play. I don't think he quit in games. Uh, okay. Well, it is his birthday. Like, hey, today. my shoulders bother me. I, 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 I can't go.
0: So I have to ask you since it's Alan Robinson's birthday, it is also my boss's birthday. Do I text him or does that feel kind of brown nosy?
1: Of course you text him. You know him for many years. <laughs> okay. Good. Because I already texted him. All right. It's time it's for also Aaron Foster's birthday, too. How old oh, do you think Arian Foster is? 33. That's a good guess. I'll go 35. Keith is closer. He's thirty-six.
0: Oh, okay. Uh, it's time for a time for a big dump, the athletic, uh, the athletic fantasy uh, dump here with a bunch of news. So let's rifle through it. Here we go. Ready? Do I have to say
1: the beat reporter? Or can I just say the news item? I mean, it'd be respectful to say the beat reporter. All right, fine. Yeah.
0: Dan Duggan. Giants guy says, Saquon Barkley looks very much like the player he was as a rookie in 2018. There has not been a single bad
1: Saquon Barkley story
0: (laughs) in months. Everything is glowing. How much are you guys buying it?
1: I buy it, but not because of the reports. I mean, I think it's just a matter of two years removed now from the ACL. I expect the Giants offense to be better than it is, which is probably a very overly optimistic scenario, but um, I just think he's going to be, you know, we're, we're talking about, and he said this, if, if Stoney Shepard for this receiving core is something you want to maybe avoid early. I don't think they're going to avoid him throwing him the ball. So uh, he could be back to, you know, 80 plus catches again.
2: I've bought it to the top 12 running back um, degree. I've not bought it to the borderline round one pick degree. Okay. What do you have him overall? 20th. Jamie
0: Barkley?
1: Uh, he's around 15.
0: so Okay. Next up, Nick Kosmider, Broncos guy, says, Cortland Sutton should be poised to take a big leap, and there will be no shortage of targets for Sutton. So, Heath, it really does seem like the reports favor Cortland Sutton over Jerry Judy. We
2: favor Sutton over Judy. What's your read on it? i am i'm following the reports i'm i'm favoring sutton over judy i i may still be behind on him but i've got him as a uh a round four pick at wide receiver 18. jamie where do you take cortland sutton
1: round three uh he's um he's a top 15 receiver for me
0: yeah and i see a lot of adp including right now fantasy football calculator cortland sutton is in round five jerry judy is in round six uh where do you take jerry judy guys five six turn Round five. And everything for us is 12 team leagues, by the way. So round five is picks 49 through 60. Five, six turn would be
1: 60-61. Have you guys done any of your, uh, your home league drafts yet? Your personal leagues? No. Got it Saturday. I'm I'm so excited to see how these are gonna go. <laughs> like I'm so tired of drafting with you guys. Oh <laughs> uh, I hey,
0: I can't stand it anymore. <laughs> so I had to invent my own draft behind me. Uh the Rams are gonna keep an eye on Matthew Stafford's uh, Stafford's arm all season, according to the athletic. Does that factor in at all when you draft Cooper Cup or Stafford or Robinson? Not really. Um all right. John Mashota of the Athletics said Jalen Tolbert will likely start even after Michael Gallup returns.
1: Thoughts? I mean, I would expect him to be their third receiver.
2: I yeah, think, I don't know who else it would be. I think he's a steal right now. You know, Tolbert? Yeah. He, he might, he could be. Yeah, He he could be like the door is wide open. To be the number one wide receiver, not in Dynasty Leagues, but in redraft this year. Um, And he could be one of the possible candidates. There's probably a dozen wide receivers who could be the number one wide receiver in 2022. I'm sorry, you mean the rookies? The rookies, yeah. Rookie.
0: And he starts with Tampa Bay. If you remember week one last year. That was a shootout, and everyone did well except for Zeke, basically. I think Mike Evans struggled against Trayvon Diggs. But uh, they got Tampa Bay and Cincinnati out of the gate. Those could be some high-scoring games. And then they have the Giants. They'll tear them. Dak Prescott tears the Giants apart. Uh, all right, let's see. Next up, uh, Arif Hassan. Who is
1: the all-Giants killing team? You got Dak at quarterback, Scott at running Boston back.
0: Scott for sure, yeah. Brian Westbrook would, would be on there. <laughs> Special teams. <laughs> Uh, Arif Hassan of the Athletic is high on KJ Osborne and says Minnesota is committed to a three-wide receiver base personnel. So, who would you take, Jalen Tolbert or KJ, or KJ Osborne?
1: I really struggle with. It's funny you mention that KJ Osborne, Jalen Tolbert, and Josh Palmer, because I see the upside for all three of them, and I see the uh, the downside as well. I mean, you know, you're talking about what could be the third receiver on all their respective teams. And if somebody does not get hurt, and obviously Tolbert, you know, has the advantage right now of Galbert, Gallup being uh, at less than 100%, um, that they could get lost in their offenses. You know, like Keith mentioned with the the targets for Palmer. I mean, Osborne really was uh, a yo-yo. When Thielen was not there, he was great. When Thielen was there, he was a little bit of a non-factor. But you could see the the upside based on how the offense is going to hopefully change. Um, but I think all three of them, and certainly you, you saw it with Palmer at the end of that season, last season and Osborne again when Thielen was out, the upside, they could be starters for you for sure. So, yeah, I I, I buy Osborne being more involved. We had uh, Pete Prisco and Bryant McFadden live from Minnesota, and B Max is plugged into Minnesota as anybody. He does the All Things Covered podcast with his cousin Patrick Peterson, who's a cornerback there for the Vikings, and they absolutely love KJ Osborne. And you know, last year B Max had uh, one of the funniest lines of anything we did on pre- maybe any of our shows when he said that Justin Jefferson's a sports car and. Uh, Adam Thielen's a station wagon, um, and it was more along the lines that he tried to defend it this year. When I asked him again, he said, "Just, just that Adam Thielen's reliable." So I asked him, I said, "Is Osborne closer to a sports car or closer to a station wagon?" He said, "Closer to a sports car," you know. And so we could see maybe a, a slight changing of the guard at some point. You know, if Thielen gets banged up and maybe can't get back to form again. So Osborne's an amazing late round pick. I get so pissed off whenever somebody takes him in our drafts mm. because he's one of my favorite late round guys.
0: I think, did I give him to you here? Yeah, I gave him to you in round 11. Figure. And I think you have Josh Palmer, too. All right, guys, so let me, let's do like three more minutes on this stuff here just so we can get to the backfield battles. Um, let's run through it. Uh, Baltimore tight end Isaiah Likely is likely to play significant snaps out of the gate, according to The Athletic. Heath, your reaction?
2: Um, there's nobody that's going to matter besides Rashad Bateman and Mark Andrews.
0: Adam Jans or Johns of The Athletics said it's apparent that Khalil Herbert will be getting carries and that Herbert's Herbert's style of running fits Chicago's outside zone scheme. Now, this he didn't say he was going to be the starter or anything, but Herbert's going to have a role and he's a good fit for the for the scheme. Uh Jamie, does that make you nervous about taking David Montgomery?
1: The offensive line just makes me nervous about David Montgomery. I can he get outside with this with, with this blocking. Um yeah, he's a great late round pick. You know, I I think you look at, at at the lottery ticket type of guys, if he gets that opportunity like we saw last year when Montgomery missed time, he's 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 gonna be very good. You can't start him at any point in tandem with David Montgomery. So you just have to know what you're drafting. You're drafting a handcuff, and hopefully if you draft him, you're expecting David Montgomery to miss some time, which we don't want to see.
0: Okay. That's Khalil Herbert. Tyler Conklin has been a favorite target of Joe Flacco and Zach Wilson, according to the athletic Jets tight end Tyler Conklin. Oh, I don't think he's going to get drafted, but it's a name to know. Uh, Why did they give CJ U.S.
2: almost so much money?
0: <laughs> Joseph, he's a very good blocker. Joseph Person of the Athletic thinks that Carolina wide receiver Robbie Anderson could lose targets to Rashad Higgins. So it is the DJ Moore show there, basically. Uh, Greg Alman for the Bucks or for the Athletic covering the Bucks said that rookie running back Rashad White has impressed and could get decent carries and catches. So that's a name to know. All right, if you need a handcuff. You've taken Rashad White or Khalil Herbert? Herbert.
1: Herbert, but they're close.
0: Yeah. Chad Graff of The Athletic says Nelson Aguilar could end up being New England's number one receiver. Quick reaction, Heath. They're so bad. Joe Rexrode of The Athletic covering the Titans thinks that Nick Westbrook-Akina is going to start ahead of Traylon Burks early in the season. And he also thinks that Dontrell Hilliard is the guy to get behind Derrick Henry. He would get the bulk of the work if Derrick Henry were out. That's the, that's the thought from Joe Rexroad. Dontrell Hilliard, there's a handcuff to know. Backfield battles. All right, thank you all for sticking around this late in the show to talk about a very important fantasy subject here. I've separated them. So this was an article on ESPN.com where the beat writers looked at backfields that look like committees or there's some uncertainty and gave their thoughts and expectations. So, nothing set in stone, of course, but I separated them into the easier ones, a little more complicated, and wait, there are more than two guys factoring in? So, let's start with the easier ones. Miami. uh, From Marcel Luis Jacques. Sorry if I'm mispronouncing beat writers' names. Chase Edmonds has been Miami's best running back, should technically be considered the team's lead back. He'll be used as a runner and a pass catcher. That's Chase Edmonds. And Raheem Mostert should be number two if he's healthy. That... That was, I thought, interesting. Uh, not Tony Michelle. Uh, Jamie, you have been drafting a lot of Chase Edmonds, I think, and and I think that he's just clearly the guy right now. It seems.
1: It seems that way, you know. And and again, you know, look, looking back at the second preseason game against the Raiders, there was no Raheem Mostert, but he just dominated the snaps with Tua to tunga Valoa. So take that for what it's worth. Offensive line wasn't fully intact for that game. Receiving core wasn't fully intact, so he didn't look great. Three carries for three yards. Uh, I think it was two catches for seventeen yards, but. Uh, I I think everything you're hearing and everything that you should expect, um, certainly based on the offseason, this was the first running back signed in free agency for any team. Um, so they clearly had an idea in mind of who they wanted, the guy that was in the division with Mike McDaniel, San Francisco and Arizona. Um, so he, you know, has an understanding, I think, of what this guy could be. Now, to what heights will he get? I don't know. I don't think you want to overdraft him, but, you know, he's, he's gone from, uh, I think his ADP on our site as of last weekend was like in the nineties. Uh, he should certainly be in in the round six range for sure.
2: This is uh, I I put a tweet out last week that really confused a bunch of people. But arbitrage Travis Etienne, I think he may have like almost exactly the same role as Travis Etienne <laughs> in a better offense. <laughs> yep, and a lot cheaper.
0: All right, would you take Kareem Hunt or Chase Edmonds? Edmonds, Edmonds. Kansas City is also in the easier ones. Adam Teicher of ESPN saying that Clyde edwards helaire is, uh, is a top-the-depth chart, and that's very clear. Jarek McKinnon and Isaiah Pacheco could carve out significant roles, though. And, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know about, like, if they're really going to use McKinnon on passing downs, what does that mean for CEH? And let's just compare him, Heath, to, to Chase Edmonds. Who would you rather have, Edmonds or Chase, or Ed- Edmonds or CEH? <laughs>
2: I am very uncomfortable with CEH. I've got him ahead of Edmonds right now. I go back and forth. Like I maybe you guys can change my projections because I don't know what to do with this backfield. I've got basically 220 carries for Clyde, 110 for Pacheco, and a few for McKinnon. And I have Clyde and McKinnon splitting up the targets basically 50 apiece. Yeah, I would take Edmonds.
1: Um <laughs> I think you you know we've kind of seen the CEH story play out that he's going to probably lead them in carries. They obviously like what they got out of McKinnon last year enough to bring him back and continue to use him in this role. And then you have this wild card of this kid who's as fast as anybody maybe in the league at that position based on his 40 time. Um explosive. If he continues to carve out a role during the season, it could be it could be really problematic for CEH. So he's in to me he's in that group of Miles Sanders, Elijah Mitchell, um, Kareem Hunt, Tony Pollard. You know he's at the top of that list, but he's in that list.
0: Yeah, he. I think that Ceh getting twice as many carries as Pacheco and splitting catches with McKinnon seems like a pretty reasonable projection there. It's going to probably come down to touchdowns for Ceh. The
2: the key will be the touchdowns. Like, yeah. can Pacheco actually take goal line work away from Ceh? And if he does, then Ceh probably ends up right where Jamie has him. And if CEH leads the team in rushing touchdowns, then he's probably closer to where I have him.
0: Philadelphia is part of the easier ones. Nick Sirianni, according to Tim McManus of ESPN, Nick Sirianni has been clear that Miles Sanders is the lead back. Gainwell and Boston Scott will play complementary roles. But also, McManus goes on to say that Sanders is currently hurt and gets hurt a lot. So, you know, Sanders, Edmonds, CEH Sanders, uh, how do you rank them?
2: In that order. Yeah, Sanders last for sure. Um, he's outside of my top thirty in all formats,
0: but he does tend to fall pretty far, especially with this injury. And he might be ready for Week One. He might be. So, I mean, it wouldn't be shocking in a twelve-team league to get Miles Sanders in round nine at this point. You know, you th- might be a guy that you end up with. Wow, he's actually pretty good. Yeah, don't forget about him,
1: right? You know, and and clearly he's he's got tremendous upside if he just gets back to the end zone, but. It just yeah. feels as if running quarterback, committee backfield, the upside's starting to feel a little capped, especially this hurt.
0: Elijah Mitchell, according to ESPN's Niners beat reporter, is going to be the number one running back when healthy. Jeff Wilson seems like the best bet to be number two. This is what bothers me, though. Tyrion Davis, Price could be a short yardage option. Um, that would really complicate things for Mitchell. So Mitchell or Miles Sanders?
1: Sanders for me.
2: Wow. This is, like, they are definitely in the same range, and I've gone back and forth. I think I have Mitchell currently one spot. I have one spot ahead of Sanders. I have the, the first two picks of round eight, Elijah Mitchell and Miles Sanders. Okay. And
1: yeah, pa- I would agree they should be in the same range. Um, if Mitchell plays the majority of the season, he's going to be better. But this is now five different injuries over the last two years. Missed six games last year. And the history of Kyle Shanahan, five seasons as the head coach, five different leading rushers.
0: I feel like it's going to be that streak's ending this year. Actually, nope. what, no, if, no, what tra- if it's Trey Lance? It's going to be, <laughs> yep. <gonna> be Trey Lance. <laughs> uh, Washington is one of the easier ones. It's a committee right now, but Brian Robinson is could definitely become the lead running back. He's been working with the ones... Probably not exclusively. Uh, who do you take first, Antonio Gibson or Brian Robinson?
1: Robinson.
2: Yeah, it's it's Gibson still for me. Um, I've got Gibson and Robinson basically splitting the carries, with McKissick getting a little bit, and then McKissick and Gibson basically splitting the targets, with Robinson getting a little bit. Um, but I don't, I don't believe that Gibson just going to be left out in the cold. If I can go back in time.
1: I would like J.D. McKissick to stay in Buffalo yes, Mm -hmm. and James Cook to go to Arizona and Brian Robinson to be the lead rusher for Washington and Antonio Gibson to play on passing downs. And then I would love Antonio Gibson.
0: I'm not sure if I said this on a live stream or on a podcast, but maybe we don't talk about the fact that Antonio Gibson was not a running back in college. He had something like 33 carries. It's possible he's just not a good running back.
1: Well, you've said this for a couple of years now.
0: Yeah, he hasn't been a good running back. He's he said it after his rookie year that he was still kind of trying to figure it out, trying to learn. Last year, the explosive plays were not really there. Um, I I just I think it's possible that Brian Robinson does just win the job, become the lead guy. Not just possible, I think decent chance here. Uh, I man, I I I, I don't want to I don't want. I I wish I could say something a little bit more authoritative here, but it could easily happen because Antonio Gibson just might not be a running back. Sorry to say, So you
1: know, you've heard me say this a lot because of, you know, people that I trust the front office. There is not fond of Antonio Gibson and it's a problem. You know, we, we heard amazing things from Ron Rivera when he took over the job that this was going to be his McCaffrey. Remember he said, this was going to be a guy that has the ability to do that. And maybe he does, but he just hasn't shown it. And that's the problem. And that I think the fumbling is an issue. The The lack of maybe the intimate knowledge to be a top-tier running back is not there. And you're seeing a guy that's clearly more physical in Brian Robinson that just might be a better fit for what this team wants to do. Now, again, going back to the McKissick scenario, he's dealing with a groin injury right now. If this injury lingers and Antonio Gibson proves that he's the better receiving back, I don't know if that's going to be the case, but it might, then his value just jumps up tremendously, maybe back – not to the round four range that he was going in, but maybe ahead of Robinson because that could just make him the type of running back that I like, you know, a guy that's going to be heavily involved in the passing game. And if something happens to Robinson, get back involved in the, in the ground game to, to whatever heights that could be.
2: Like Ron Rivera was there when they drafted Antonio Gibson, right? No. or he got hired like right after the draft?
1: I don't believe They've he both was been there for two
2: years. Was he there his rookie season? They they were both there yeah. in 2020. I don't know if maybe Rivera got hired after the draft, which would be weird. Well,
0: let's check the old Google machine. December 31st, 2019, Ron Rivera was hired. And then when was, so Gibson
2: was the 2020 draft? Gibson was drafted in April of 2020. Well. It's a different GM, though.
0: Okay, all right, let's get let's get back into it here. A little more complicated backfield scenarios here. Denver. This is what Jeff Legwald of ESPN had to say. The split between Javante Williams and Melvin... Well, he didn't say this. Uh, sorry, this is not a quote. But he basically said that the split is unknown. Uh, Williams is going to be busy, no question. And even Gordon knew that as soon as the new coaching staff was hired. This I thought was interesting from Jeff. It's why Gordon looked around in free agency for several weeks before eventually returning to the Broncos. Uh, so... <laughs> we heard Gordon's quote about it that they want Javante Williams to be the guy Gordon will be involved and will have some impact in the passing game I think we've uh, talked about this enough but how do you guys feel about Javante Williams at say the 2-3 turn
1: I think we're the low people on Javante yes mm-hmm. oh for sure is that where you go take him? first
2: round in the F- NFC second uh, last week of NFC drafts Javante Williams has gone 19th okay yeah, but still, but still running too early in, for
0: right? me. Uh, he's the thirteenth running back on fantasy football calculator at twentieth overall.
1: He's going before Aaron Jones. I mean, look, if he hits, we're going to be silly <laughs> you know, for not having him in at least round two. Uh, he's in round two for me in in non and half PPR, but in a full PPR, I, I struggle with it just because of the receivers. Um, the guy that I really have a hard time with right now is between him and Nick Chubb, just because of the potential struggles of that Browns offense for the start of the season, but. If Melvin Gordon's anything close to what he was a year ago, then Javante Williams is going to be very frustrating.
2: I've got Javante at 210 carries and 64 targets. Melvin at 161 and 52.
0: Rams. Sarah Bishop of ESPN said, I don't think it's a given that Akers will start the season as the Rams' true RB1. And then she just basically talked about how the coaches have said it's going to be a committee and it's probably going to be a committee. Health is health. Seems like it's going to be a, just a huge one here. These two guys are injury prone, and they're both hurt right now. Acres <laughs> and Henderson, but Acres is really tough. He's probably in the polarizing players list here. When one hundred percent? When the heck should we take Cam Acres?
2: I'm fine with him in round five. Yes, one hundred percent. I've 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 got him just ahead of Clyde and Chase Edmonds. Uh, that was my next question. Yeah, Jamie, Chase or Clyde for you?
0: chaser chaser cam for you
1: uh edmonds acres Clyde. and
0: then henderson has got to be considered a a very good late round pick right yes all right uh in jacksonville this one we already talked about in seattle we'll see what happens with ken walker's injury and then here's the next category wait there are more than two guys factoring in what
2: yeah this seems like washington maybe should have been in this one washington definitely should not have been in the easy ones we have no idea what's going to happen in Washington. <laughs>
0: uh, Yeah. Okay. Fair. Um, all right. It's true. Damn it. Wait. There are more than two guys factoring in, excluding Washington? In Buffalo, Elena Getzenberg uh, says that all three running backs are going to have roles. Singletary is in line to get the bulk of the carries as the season begins. But Zach Moss had a good camp, and he's been the most consistent goal line and short yardage back for Buffalo. And Elena Getzenberg suspects that James Cook's role is smaller at the start of the season. But oh man, um, look, Singletary is the starter. But how valuable can he be, Heath?
2: I uh, do not have any interest, and in, I just don't. Like, and I could look dumb on this one if he repeats the last month of last year. But I, we're talking about using one guy as a passing downs back and one guy as a goal line back, and that's the very definition of a trap back on a yeah. team that running back hasn't been that valuable. And there's it's probably going to change during the year. So if you want to draft the, draft the cheapest one or draft one of them in the double-digit rounds, and sometimes Cook is there and Moss is always there, then I think that's fine. But I'm not drafting any of them in the single-digit rounds.
1: The thing that's, that's interesting about him is that he looked great in the preseason game against Denver, and like you said, Heath, what he did last year—it's just so confusing. Like you know, why why draft James Cook with the and and go after J.D. McKissick if you're not going to use that player? And maybe Cook's just not ready. I don't know based on the the report. Um, the fact that Zach Moss just isn't going away, and I know he gets hurt a lot, and clearly he you know the coaching staff fell of favor. The thing I I. I struggle with, with this is Brian Dayball's gone. And is Ken Dorsey enough of a voice to keep Sean McDermott from saying we gotta run the ball a little bit more?
0: No. Well, uh, yeah, I it's just, I think it's to me, it's like how much do you buy Zach Moss? Because this has been a Bills team where every year what what happens mid season is different than what we were told. Before the season started, you know, it's injury related or it's performance related. It's Moss overtook Singletary, it seemed like, at the end of the 2020 season. And Singletary was incredible in the, at the end of the 2021 season. And uh, I, th- I, like I said, Singletary has been a very good running back on paper. You look at the metrics, advanced metrics, basic metrics. He's been very good. He's led the running team in ball. running back. Yeah, yeah. Not he's as a pass catcher. one of catcher, the worst pass catching yeah. running backs he's, in the NFL. He's not going to have that role for sure. Right. But is he really going to lose the short yardage and goal line carries to Zach Moss? They keep saying it. So maybe I should stop being skeptical. But I wish Zach Moss had, had a better career at this point for me to believe that. But all right, look, they said it. They know more than I do. So that's why we're doing this segment here. So beware on yeah, the trap back is the guy that Heath said who gets a lot of carries, but not the ones, not the catches and not the carries that really count. Uh, and finally, Las Vegas. Really interesting here. Paul Gutierrez of ESPN said Josh Jacobs' role as a true RB1 is in jeopardy that Zamir White, Brandon Bolden, and Amir Abdullah could all have roles, and it's hard to see Jacobs being reliable for fantasy purposes with Bolden and Abdullah possibly used more as pass catchers and Zamir White near the goal line. So, Jamie, when the heck do we draft Josh Jacobs? You said Cam Akers in round five. What about Josh Jacobs?
1: I think that's an okay spot to start to look for him. I would prefer him in round six. But... God, this is this is infuriating because he's the most talented guy there. And, you know, you saw what he was able to do catching the ball last year. Uh, but clearly, you know, McDaniels has a vision for what he wants to do with his running backs. Now, I think part of that also goes to could he be Damien Harris, you know, and be the guy that's just scoring double digit touchdowns and and maybe not necessarily factor in a passing game because this offense is going to be good uh, as long as the offensive line holds up. So I don't think you should completely run away from Jacobs because of this report, but it obviously should put Amir Abdullah on your radar. And I think it's going to be really fun to see throughout the course of the season. Uh, I think Hines is on a different level, but McKissick and Ty Montgomery, Amir Abdullah, Jarek McKinnon, you know, these type of guys that just really are going to factor in the passing game. How much are they going to be relevant in PPR? And, you know, like uh, the people that don't like those type of running backs, I think make a mistake and don't realize like you can use them as flex plays especially if you go zero RB or you go hero RB like they're they're so relevant if they're getting anywhere in the 50 catch range and as we've seen with the James Whites and you know occasional Darren Sproles those type of guys that they get six seven touchdowns like they're going to end up as top 24 type of PPR options for you so um you should absolutely be looking at Abdullah with a late round pick in PPR and you should be a little bit concerned about Josh Jacobs in PPR non-PPR I think he's He's still a safe number two running back. PPR, half PPR, he's he's a volatile one.
0: Well, I'm sorry to keep you guys late here. I think that right now, there seem to be so many coaches, beat writers, talking about committees. And I'm just not sure that it's really going to end up being that way because I think a lot of it might be coach speak, or at least some of it might be coach speak. I don't think that's the case in Las Vegas. It seems like that, you know, people seem pretty confident that that, that is going to be a committee. But, but where some, do
1: you think it's coach speak though? I like, which, think which I, I you... think in
0: Philadelphia that Miles Sanders is is going to be the guy and I think that he's going to be great value and and I think I think on one downs? of what's that?
2: On passing downs?
0: I think he'll catch 35 passes. I mean it, I know Kenneth Gainwell didn't play, but they used Miles Sanders in the passing game in, in the first preseason game with Jalen Hurts. He caught two or three passes. Uh I think on one drive And, um, maybe I'm wrong about the the drives, but, uh, but uh, you know, I don't know what's, I don't know what's coach Peak. I I, like, I I don't think the bills, I think the bills will eventually settle into their guy. I think that you've got like all these committees and why, if, if it is true, why would I take Josh Jacobs or Cam Akers in round five when I could take Elijah Mitchell in round eight or or Miles Sanders in
2: round eight? I think we just have to be careful how we define committee. Like most situations, there's another running back getting more than 25% of the touches. Sure. Uh, so yeah. everybody's in some sort of a committee. It's how big the committee is.
0: Right. I'm just wondering if this is a time of year where coaches are, you know, propping up their players and and you know, making the kid, this guy's had a good camp and this and that.
1: Like on draft day,
0: oh, we're gonna use him. We're going and it's not really what happens with a lot of players.
1: Who, right? who, who's getting propped up in this scenario? Zach though? Moss. But it's not
2: McDermott saying that, though. I, I would well, say the it, two guys it, who are getting propped up are Amir Abdullah and Ty Montgomery.
0: Sure. I mean, why would they use? Why would they use Damian Harris on passing downs? What has Damian Harris done to to deserve that? He missed a block really badly in the preseason game on the opening possession. At least that's the way I saw it. Why would they use him like that? That's what I'm saying. I, I just I wonder if these coaches are really going to stray from what they've done in the past because we've never seen the Patriots use. Damian Harris for the first series, and he's on the passing downs. Ramondre Stevenson for the next series, and he's in on passing downs. Then they
1: have a new coordinator that doesn't know what he's doing. <laughs> I mean, that's part of this. Well, that's not yeah. a good thing. That's in no no. Way that that's the thing. thing. It's like you know, I I think the a, every scenario is obviously going to be different for how you view these, and so that's why I was asking, like, which which of these do you think is coach speak? Because well, I don't think Sean McDermott is propping up Zach Moss, for example. I don't think he's down well it's coming from somewhere from the beat writers i
0: mean well well, again sorry okay sorry so let me let me just say that um it seems to me like beat writers right now probably from what they've gained from what they've taken away from the coaches and from watching practice think that so many players are going to be involved and at the end of the day i just don't see that happening of course i can't tell you where that's going to be the case but do i really think that elijah mitchell jeff wilson and Tyrion davis price are all going to get carries no i don't do i really think that miles sanders kenneth gamewell and boston scott are all going to have are all going to have like prominent roles no i really
2: don't not prominent roles no it's whether those uh, those secondary guys have enough to hurt the first guy yeah see, I, i'm I think, not sure i think like in the case of philadelphia
1: like Sirianni has said you you've heard it from him him miles sanders is our guy yeah But I also think that he's smart enough, at least I hope so, to realize this guy's missed nine games over the last two years, is dealing with a hamstring problem now. He has to build up the confidence of Boston Scott. He has to get him playing time. He has to give him opportunities with the first team. He has to give him a chance to say, "Okay, if Miles Sanders is not there, which has happened, who's going to fill that role? Is Kenneth Gainwell going to fill that role? Well, it doesn't seem to be the case, but Gainwell is going to have his role. In the case of San Francisco, you have five games, six games of an absence of Elijah Mitchell last year, who they never expected to be their lead runner. He proved to be their best runner, but Mostert was supposed to be that guy. Mm-hmm. And so they drafted Sermon ahead of him. They spent a third round pick again on another running back this year. They have to build up these guys, whether it's their confidence through words or confidence through playing time. So, yeah.
0: All right, fine. If you're I asking me specifically, coach precise, maybe coach speak isn't the right word. If you're asking me specifically where I'm not quite buying, um, that the role is going to be a problem. I think Philadelphia and San Francisco, I think as long as Sanders and Mitchell are healthy, you're going to love where you're drafting them. If you can get them in round eight, I think they're going to return really good value for you. I think they're clearly the best players, and I think they do have some upside, especially Miles Sanders. But, so, you know, those would be two, if you're asking me specifically. But I, I, My you know, two I'd,
2: would be Cam Akers and David Montgomery. Yeah,
0: okay, all right, Cam Akers, right? Because it's never been the, the case with Sean McVay. Never has he had a committee, really, except except maybe 2020 for a
1: bit. Uh the 2020 or was maybe kind of when he mess. won the Super Bowl. I don't know. What's that? Maybe when he got to the Super Bowl, not when he got in the playoffs, but when he got to the Super Bowl? I mean, that last year, you know, they were using Michelle and Henderson when they were healthy.
0: Toward the end or at the beginning?
1: Middle. Well, right. At the beginning, beginning
0: before Henderson's injury, Michelle had something like 6 carries a game. So uh, yeah, it was, it was Henderson. He was a top 15 running back. All right. Sorry, uh, I, I know you guys have HQ to get to. Apologize for the marathon. I'll let you go. Thanks for watching and listening, everybody. We will talk to you tomorrow on
1: Fantasy Football Today.